The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. We've been speaking to the organisers and some of the participants in the FUS March now. For a couple of weeks, FUS March taking place in Cork, Dublin and Wexford. Tomorrow, Friday, uh, the 6th of May, and a large turnout expected. And, and part of what's causing the FUS March to happen, as it were, and I have said this, uh, is... Things just don't seem to change in in terms of disability and services and education for children and indeed adults with a disability. And in advance of the FUS march, uh, we requested an interview with the responsible minister, uh, Deputy Anne Rabbit, who joins me now. Minister, good morning. Good morning, Peter. Thank you for being with me on the opinion line. I come from a, a place of some personal connection here, Minister, in that I am the parent of a young man with a disability. Now, he's, he's 24. He enjoys robust good health physically. But the little problems that we had with him when he was four and the problems that he had when he was 14, they haven't gone away. So the four-year-olds of today and the 14-year-olds of today are facing the same problems and people are sick of it minister yes and um, that's what i'm trying to do is to bring about change that um that the, the the repeated cycle of failure and disengagement has to stop um, because for once and for all, um, they, it's not like we don't know how to solve some of the problems that you talk about, PG, or any of your previous callers into the opinion line or anybody who turned up at my meeting in Cork. Um, there has to be ways to bring better services and to bring um, an re- end to the repeated cycle of failure. Yeah. Now, mention the meeting in Cork. I'm glad you brought it up because we spoke to some people in the wake of it, Minister. And uh, had I had I known, I might have attended myself. It, it happened sort of under my radar. But here's Katie Healy, who contacted us the following day, and she had spoken at that meeting, and and this was her response or her reaction to to how she felt she was received. I was telling Anne Rabbit, my daughter struggles. How we have got a bath seat that was donated to us by a family whose child has passed away because the HSE will not provide our daughter, who has a very rare genetic condition. There's only one other person globally who has the same variant as Penelope. So we don't know what to expect. She has a movement disorder. She cannot be bathed with dignity. And the HSE do nothing to help because it's not, the, the equipment that we need for Penelope is not on a contract list. It is inhumane. And when I was telling Anne Rabbit this, at the very end, she said, okay, next person. They, feel, they felt a bit brushed off, Minister. Well, I'm sorry that people felt that they were brushed off, PJ. Um, well, the meeting didn't start till nearly quarter to eight. It should have started at half. Or sorry, quarter to eight. It should have started at half seven. And I apologise again about the the delay on it. Um, 
I don't think I would want that opinion that I would have brushed anybody off. Um, I apologise if people felt they were brushed off. There was approximately 150 in the room. As I said, it started around quarter to eight and it didn't finish till quarter past 11. Yes. I tried to give everybody enough time to, to have their, their opportunity to speak and have their voice heard and I thought it was very important mm-hmm. that people have their voice heard because, see... The, the, the sad thing in all of this page is it's not a carbon copy of every case is an individual case. Every case that we talk about, it is about an individual, about a person, about a child. Mm-hmm. And those parents had to have their time to talk. And I apologise again if, if that lady okay. felt brushed off. Okay. That wasn't the intention. And the content of what she said... Um that's not good enough in 2022. No, it's not, PJ, and I won't accept that, nor, nor would any of my, my colleagues accept that. And it was I was actually in um, Ashburn only this week in, on Tuesday night, and the same repeated issues came up again about aids and appliances, trying to access aids and appliances. And, and that night in Cork, a lady talked about how her, her child had outgrown the wheelchair, and exactly the same story came up again um, on, on Tuesday night. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. about the length of time it takes to get it processed, approved and then when it comes, like we know children grow in sports um, in those development years and to get a wheelchair to realise then it actually doesn't meet their needs, they've outgrown it you need to send it back mm-hmm. and you're back into that cycle again uh, and that is a huge frustration that there is no mm-hmm. particular way of expediting um, and that's down to every CHO, every CHO have their own budget for aids and appliances while there is a central budget of 540 million PJ is mm. the central budget for aids and appliances to sit in rooms and to hear parents saying it took yeah. so long they have grown it. That's wrong. So, so what are you doing about it? Um, well, that's, that piece in it, when I transfer to the Department of Equality, I'm doing two things. A is to have a section within the 540 million held for aids and appliances. And secondly, I'm working with the WHO in developing what I would call a list of um, approved products that actually we hold on a register at all times. And the mm. likes of um, Penelope's mom, what she spoke about there was in, in actual fact, where they don't have it, that we will be able to work with other sister countries right across Europe mm. to be able to source it in. See, the issue so is how long all of that takes, like you just said, you have a, you have a double issue no, there. Yeah, but what the prob- what we need to do is, because of the rarity of some of the conditions, we need to have partners across Europe, part of the WHO, which we hope to be a part of and a leader in, in relation to aids and appliances and assistive technology. We're too small of a country not to be partnered up with bigger countries to be able to source those products. Mm, okay. Now, again, it's not just the the people who have the disability it's it's the carers and i we are my our office sent you on a, a full copy of this particular interview which was with julianne canine who has her own issues she's profoundly deaf so she conducted the entire interview uh, through lip reading but her son uh, is 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 disabled and, and she's trying to care for him in very limited and very, very difficult situations. And and then she gave me one of the most searingly honest and saddest interviews I've ever heard. I'm forgotten. I'm not worth looking after. I'm, Don't say that. I'm not worth looking after. I've spent my life being a carer, falling into the carer role. Um, 
my mom got sick with cancer and I, I looked after my mom. And then my mom died. And now I'm looking after Liam. And I actually feel worthless. I feel I'm not worth anybody looking after me. Because isn't that what the government is saying? Carers are worthless. We're not entitled to any services and we're not entitled to any support. So I'm the scum in the pond. I'm the lowest of the lowest. Um, I don't think anybody would mind if I died. Minister Anne Rabbit has the person responsible for the provision of the services she's talking about. How does that make you feel? <laughs> How does it make me feel? It makes me very embarrassed that if somebody would have um, those sorts of feelings and um, that is not what I would want anybody to feel, nor would this government want anybody to feel. And on the night in question, that lady also spoke and myself and, and Podrick O'Sullivan, the local deputy there, uh, have, have had long conversations about that particular um, conversation. But yet again, um, she articulated exactly feelings that other parents also felt in the room, PJ, and it's, it's important to say that, um, that a lot of carers feel um, very forgotten, they feel their voices are, isn't heard, mm-hmm. and they feel when they're trying to engage with services that they get forgotten. That's one of the reasons, PJ, I'm doing these meetings, mm. is to give parents a, an, an opportunity, okay, an opportunity who, whose voice never gets heard at, at a particular level, an opportunity for the HSE to come in here in a very public format as to what we need to be doing to support, because if I'm correct, her son also had a, a cochlear implant, which is can be a, a very, very mm. successful operation. Right. And then he got but, no but speech he, and language to No, he got that. no speech and support, PJ. That's exactly it. And that is a failure. Mm. And there's nobody going to deny now, that. Now, these failures, the Minister, support. are not new. And, and, and no. I, I sense from you that you really do want to do something about it but then you practically had to beg for meetings with the, with the important decision makers who's in charge here Anne rabbit you were the hse well let's put it since all that um, conversation started about me looking for meetings like it's not to do yesterday pj i started looking for meetings i've been looking for meetings on a one-to-one basis with each of the chos since last october november okay mm. let's be very very clear about that and while i was having meetings with the, the lead agencies uh, accompanied by the chos um the the, the the that process wasn't allowed to to, to continue uh, and i actually was very disappointed because mm. who, who what, has the what power to tell the minister you can't have a meeting though who has that power well, well the, the, the good news in a PJ is thanks to, to, to Minister Donnelly uh, and to Paul Reid that has been overturned and my meetings will continue will, will start the way I intend it to be for the simple reason being and the reason I'm holding the ministerial forums is what, what are the experiences in Cork are quite different to what they were the other night in, in Ashburn I'll give you an example why because in the night in Cork also there was the issue around um, the special schools the new school special school that was built um, the withdrawal of the therapists um, from the schools and yeah. the lack of services going yeah. back in. Progressing disability, what a, what a misnomer. It's worse it's getting. <laughs> 
But what has happened on the back of that public meeting, PG, was um, some of the principals were there, some of the board members were there. We went on the last Monday, two weeks, I think we had our meeting in Limerick, myself and a number of the principals, along with, with Podrick O'Sullivan and Bernard O'Regan, head of disability operations within the HSC, where we clearly had a really open and frank conversation for an hour and a half about how the services has been withdrawn from the schools, the impact it has had on the, the pupils, the parents and the wider school teaching community. And from that, a clear direction was given to the teachers. Tell us what you had before COVID. Uh, and they've all supplied us with the information. I've spoken to Minister McGrath and to Minister and the Taoiseach on this. The HSE have gone away now to validate it. But I've given a clear commitment. We will be reinstating mm. therapists back into school. Okay. And I am quite confident in that. Okay. Because people do ask the question time and time again, Minister, who is in charge? We elect people like you. We elect our Taoiseach. We elect other people. We elect people like you, Minister Rabbit, and this isn't personal, to do a job. And and it seems to be that a large body of civil servants and, and officials and managers are telling you how to do your job, which that sounds very, very bad to people. Let me just read one or two of the things that are coming in. And again, these will not be new stories. My son is five, nonverbal, autistic, has been moved from early intervention to a new panel set up for age five and over. The manager of this new team never answers the phone. When she does, after a lot of trying, told us our son was a priority, but wouldn't give us a date on when he'd be seen for speech therapy. That was the first contact. Next contact, she said she couldn't give us a date to get seen it would be the end of the summer the reason she wouldn't give a date was because of covid now he's not a priority as he's not choking and there's a lot of kids in worse conditions than our son as far as i know if your child is choking you would not be looking for speech therapy i'd like to ask the minister do these sound like very professional or correct way to to talk to people and there are there are many more uh, yes, this is like deja vu i've been listening to minister after minister saying things like minister rabbit is saying why is it government policy in this country to treat disabled people as second class citizens it's not government policy to treat um, disabled people like second-class citizens. Unfortunately, the treatment of um, families and loved ones when they ex try to ex engage with the services, it is not the standard that any of us would want. Like one thing I will be very critical about the HSC is their communication. The idea that we cannot answer the phone, the idea that we cannot have clear communication. That's people. One woman stood up in Cork that evening. She says. Just tell us the truth. Tell us exactly what the plan is, because we can live with the truth. But don't be brushing us off from month to month to month and, and not telling us. And what again? What and are you that, doing about that? Yeah, that that my myself and my, my teammate here, Noel, we are clearly at a very high level with the HSE, asking them and working with them since these meetings have started about real communication pathways. That to me is the essence of a lot of our problems. When you don't understand what's going on, who's your team manager? What what service are you within? When can you expect to see services? And what does good look like? As opposed to spending all our time on paper exercises doing IFSP after IFSP. Have, have you put this to Paul Reid, you know, the man who's being paid more than the Taoiseach and more than the, than the president to fix all this? Have you said to him, Mr. Reid, this is not good enough. Do something. Well, actually, what I said to Paul Reid this day last week is this is not working. And I've asked him for a meeting of which I think we're diary to have one next week. Um, myself and my team within disabilities, along with Paul Reid and his team, because it is not working, PJ. 
Mm. No, it isn't working, and it hasn't worked for your predecessors. Uh, it didn't work, even though she tried for our own Kathleen Lynch here locally. It didn't work for anybody who held the, the portfolio back along, because again, it seems to be the HSE pulling the strings until somebody cuts those strings, we're going to remain in trouble. Like, here's a, a, a call that we've had uh, from a father. He's had continuous dealings with the Department for Disabilities, for Education and the HSE over his son's education. He's at his wit's end. If we sent you the details, would, would, might you talk to him? Yes, of course I will, PJ. But PJ, can I have the opportunity as well to say, as as a minister of state uh, and in a government um, where um, we do care, like every time I look for funding to 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 improve and develop on services, I am supported by Minister McGrath. I'm supported by all my government um, colleagues um, in ensuring that I get the funding. Like so, when I talk about Cork and Kerry, since I came into office, over eleven million new money has gone down your side. Yeah. 11 million. And that's to improve... But you see, no one's questioning that the money's being spent, I think, to be fair. No one questions the money's... We know how much money goes into the health service. We get to the end years. But no, but I'm just specifically talking about disabilities, PJ. I'm specifically talking about the school leavers. I'm specifically talking about the PDS model. I'm specifically talking about respite and day services. Because, see, disability is not overly complex. It's actually broken down fairly easily enough. So I am sourcing the funding, I'm giving it to the HSE to pass on to the providers but unfortunately it is not getting to the end users. Mm. As Minister of State, it is my job to understand where the roadblocks are so as that the families that come on your show, on your opinion piece, that they actually, their, their experience changes and that the end user is getting supported. Mm. My son is 12, he was turned down from the service when he was a baby, he's still not getting anything and is now back with the HSE looking for services and getting no help and being pushed from one person to another. Everyone in government is the same. They just want people that are healthy. They don't want to deal with our kids. I, I know you say you're doing, you're doing what you can, and I'm sure you are, but this is the reality of the calls I'm getting. Yes, it is, PJ, and that's, that, that is the reality of what I'm experiencing at my meetings as well and what has been, and I hope when I come back down um, to, to CHO4 Cork Curry the next time, um, that the HSC will attend with me. They didn't in the previous meeting, but last week or just earlier this week in Ashburn, they did attend. And I have to thank Bernard and, and Paul for ensuring that I have got support at the meetings because parents need to get direct answers as to what is not working. Plus the HSC at a national level need to understand what's going on on the ground mm. because until we're in touch, we cannot stay away in our ivory towers, not engaging with people and having repeated failures within the system. Mm. Uh, as as all my colleagues, Paddy, uh, uh, the teacher, Michael McGrath, Simon Coveney, are continuously saying to me, it's not working, you need to intervene. So what we are doing out of that mm. meeting the therapists within the special schools will be put back in, along with the new school in Carrigal Line, mm-hmm. has been will be included in that. And the teacher was very, very clear that we can no longer be building schools and not putting in the supports. Mm. So we're not just dividing what was there before. Should it or should it country. not be part of every new school build in the country that it's that it's it's literally shovel ready to go in terms of providing supports? What's happening to increase resources in staff? Like we constantly hear about a lack of resources, and it's almost impossible to retain staff. It's almost impossible to recruit staff. What are you doing about that? 
That's in in relation to the disability services, there's no doubt there's a huge challenge there because primary care are also recruiting 3,200 therapists uh, as we we speak. Um, What we're doing is, there's there's a number of strands in what we're doing with this is, um, one is that we're working with Minister Harris and Kuru to see that staff that have trained in the UK, Northern Ireland, as to their qualifications that they could be accepted uh, as part of the post. And also people who are leaving, why are they are they being asked why they're leaving? Experienced people are leaving at every level. They're saying, I've had my fill of the public sector. I'm done. Yeah, because why are there's they leaving? huge opportunities. Because there's jobs in primary care. There is jobs in older people. It is actually uh, an employee's market in, in for clinicians at the moment. Yeah, yeah. You see, you need to be able to work hard, work harder to hold them then. Someone needs to come in. Well, we need you. And, and here's what, what, do you, what do you need to make us keep you? Why would, you know, we need you to stay. And we do. And um, that is why it is all about ensuring that the people who work as clinicians want to deliver services. They want to be therapists. They do not want to be administrators. And one of the things that I'm doing as part of the allocation of post this year is ensuring that teams actually have proper administration so that the clinicians do what they chose to do as their profession, deliver therapies. Yeah, Money was granted for my son a few years ago. I was told it has been granted. I've still had no services that's one message another one uh, people have been waiting for seven weeks to get powered wheelchairs for for a person to hear back from a contractor but then one call from a private advocate and they're back within 90 minutes something's wrong someone's not doing their job up the line to get these services in uh, and hopefully over time, um, PJ, that we will actually get to the root of having a proper flow of a system. It needs to be run like a private business, um, the HSE, and I'm very clear on that. Mm. Uh, and people who are that's, sometimes that's the problem. perhaps... That seems jobs, to be too business-like. And um, perhaps not, because if it was a business like it would be about KPIs, um, a child in, child looked after, child yeah. receives the service, okay. and you would be on a database. Okay, Um Someone says, in COVID times, uh, it was decreed that people needed €350 to live, but they see that a person on full-time disability payment can live on €206. Patrick says, why? And that's why Minister Humphreys produced the cost of disability, the Indicon report late last year. Um, I sit on the NDIS um, steering group. I'm the chair of it. And every single quarter, we are discussing that. We're putting proposals together that um, the Department of Social Protection can review because it's very clear from within that report, disability and the more complex needs within it is Mm. that that, that the funding doesn't match the need. You appointed a disability stakeholder group. Are you involving them in this? Yes, absolutely. On a day-to-day basis? Absolutely. Um, I am at all times engaging with stakeholders. There is 464 organisations. But you appoint uh, a specific group. Yes, and we work very closely on all of these matters and a range of other matters as well, which stretch across to transport, which stretch to education, which stretch to employment. Mm. Um, So it's not when we talk about disabilities and we talk about accessing the service, that is my primary function because we need to ensure access to services. But there's a wider range just to to disability as well of where we have to look at other strands within other... Thanks. A couple of things that have come in before 
before you before you go. Uh, Kate says they know once they're assessed what's ahead for the rest of their lives. There should be a program from the minute they're assessed. It's ridiculous. I can identify with that, Minister, because I yes. I mentioned my son. We had a battle to get him into primary school, then a battle to get him into secondary school, then a battle to get him to follow on. Whereas his twin sister went through the system oh. without a glitch. So I'm in a unique position to see that if you're a child with a disability, your parents will struggle for every little bit of education you need to get. That hasn't changed since Bat O'Keefe was Minister for Education. Now, we do have one caller. It says, I work in disability services, and Rabbit is one of the best ministers we've had, but she's being stymied by the HSE. Are you being stymied by the HSE? There's challenges, there's no doubt, within it, PJ. Um, but I have no doubt also with the conversation I had with Paul Reid and Minister Donnelly, Minister Gorman and the Taoiseach. Mm. And things will improve for me because, PJ, one thing about Anne Rabbit, I'm not afraid to call it out. Mm. And I'll call it out. Well, could we talk again later in the year when you've had some more meetings? And, Absolutely, and, and, and maybe PJ. Push some, I'm, I'm, I'm very thankful to you for coming on today uh, and, 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 and speaking with us. Uh, people will continue to believe that those with disabilities are second-class citizens. They will continue to believe that until they see genuine change. And genuine change, first and foremost, at all times, was me believing that if I got the funding and given it to the HSC, that that would make a difference to people's lives. But it's not getting through to the end user. That's, that that perhaps was some naivety being a, a minister a new to post. But since then, I do believe working, having the funding and matching the need and having very clear communications and managing people's expectations, that's what I'm trying to do. That's what these ministers' forums are about, is bringing everybody with us to understand. Some of these roadblocks, PJ, are there since you talked about your experiences, some of these roadblocks we have to break them down and, and they're get getting higher. They're not. They're not going. Yeah, away. unfortunately, every yeah. single September. Lastly and briefly, another matter, a major talking point nationally: the National Maternity Hospital. As a woman, Anne Rabbit, how do you feel about the inevitable feeling that there's a connection to the church here? Well, uh, as a woman, and if I had to access um, Hollis Street um, this minute, and as a woman, if I had to share a 15-bedded ward, and as a woman, if I was in serious pain having to walk across the corridor to queue for a toilet, I would not want that. As a woman who has given birth in two different hospitals to my three children uh, and having received the, the, the best of care, um, if where I was in a four-bedded and I had my own room in um, I genuinely wouldn't wish that on any woman. So my answer to you is we need to get on with and build a hospital um, for women, particularly on the East Coast, and we need a national maternity hospital mm. that meets those needs, along with the neonatal care, because, mm. PJ, I have a little bit of Still experience... Still with a connection to the church, people perceive... <laughs> Yeah, but 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 in three hundred years, it's a ten year. It's going to be for for three hundred years of, of the lease. Um, the legals, the Attorney General, the Taoiseach, and Ron O'Mahony, who I have great time for and huge respect for, she is advocating positively mm. for this. Courts ninety six FM.